each with a single word or words to remind her. Over the years, it became the ritual it was today. Twelve ornaments, one each for the twelve days of Christmas. A chance each December to drift back through the decades, back to 1941, and remember it all again. And there was the song, of course, playing in the background, standing like an anthem for all they'd known, all she missed now that he was gone. The notes, the melody, the haunting refrains pulled from the story of their lives. Always she would sing the song. She would hum it at first, and then as the days of December wore on, the words would come. They would come as they had at the beginning, born of despair, desperate for a second chance. All of it, every word, every note, for Sam. Sarah turned around, leaned hard into her aluminum walker, and shuffled to the bed. Distant voices filled the hallway outside her room, staff assistants talking to the elderly residents the way young people did these days, loud and condescending. Someone going on about the cooking staff and its bland version of lasagna. And somewhere above it all, the piped-in refrains of Silent Night. Sarah eased herself down next to the envelopes. The bed seemed lower all the time. Her hips hurt worse this year, and each breath came slower, with more effort. No doubt her time was short. Death wasn't far off. Not that Sarah minded. Dying, after all, would reunite her with Sam. Had it been thirteen years since his death? Thirteen years since she'd shared this Christmas ritual with the man who had made it possible? Back then, they'd gone through the twelve days together, taking out the ornaments, finding their way through the days and months and years back to 1941, remembering their story, singing the song. She was 86 now, and if Sam had lived, he'd be 91. Instead, cancer had taken him, not slowly over a course of years, but in six months. That May, he was traveling with her to Los Angeles to see the kids, to welcome the birth of a great-granddaughter. A sluggish few weeks, a bad blood test, and he was gone before Thanksgiving. At first, Sarah lived alone in the old house where they'd raised their two children and entertained grandchildren. The house was as much a part of the glorious past as anything else because it was walking distance to the park, the place where it had all come together. But more years passed and she grew tired, too tired to dress in the morning or take a walk or shop for groceries. Heart failure, the doctor told her. Nothing imminent, just a slow and steady decline that would worsen over time. After her diagnosis, the kids had taken a week off work and tried to talk her into moving to L.A. Sarah was gracious, glad for their concern, but only one place could possibly serve as her final home, the place where she would live out her days. The facility was built across from the park the summer after Sam died, 
Greer Retirement Village. Assisted living, they called it. An oversized bedroom with space enough for a recliner and television. Also a kitchenette with a sink, a microwave, and small refrigerator. The staff organized bingo on Tuesdays, Bible study on Wednesdays, low-impact aerobics on Thursdays, and old movies on Fridays. Meals were served on china and linen twice a day in the dining room, and on weekends they had live entertainment in the form of Mr. Johnson, the assistant manager who also played the piano. Most of all, each room had emergency buttons near the bed and in the bathroom, and staff assistants who came by to remind residents about their medication, how much and when to take it. And so, after a few days' discussion...